0: Hi, Sebastian Hussein here. You're listening to an archived episode of STEM Wars. You can find newer episodes of STEM Wars at stemwars.buzzsprout.com. That's s-t-e-m-o-i-r-s.buzzsprout.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else your favorite podcasts are. Thanks very much for listening.
1: Yeah, Google Alex Hornlich solar cells on the moon. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and that's how today's episode began. So welcome back to another installment of the podcast of the Quest Solar Energy Engineering Research Center. I'm your host, Sebastian Hussein with Joe Karras, recording at Arizona State University. Uh, in today's piece, Joe and I were lucky enough to speak with Professor Alex Fornley from the University of Houston. Uh, he spoke to us about a very small fraction of some of the work he's done, including attempts to put robots on the moon to build solar cells out of moon dust. So this was quite a winding journey, and very often we forgot the microphone was in the room. I've since gone back and tried to give some context to portions of our conversation. I really hope that you enjoy it as much as Joe and I did. Solar cells on the moon from in-situ resources. What if you just... Sebastian, can you just read the first sentence or so from the paper? Yeah, sure. Thin-film solar cells will be fabricated directly on the surface of the moon, through the transport to the moon of only the tools needed to fabricate the cells, and not the transport of the vast array of cells themselves. The solar cells will then be grown by thin-film vacuum deposition on the prepared dust of the lunar surface. This will be undertaken by the deployment of a 200-kilogram crawler on the surface of the moon with the capabilities of initial preparation of the lunar regolith by local melting under concentrated solar irradiation. That's incredible. (laughs) And uh, so essentially you have
1: a big vacuum chamber.
0: So with the moon acting as your vacuum chamber. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, uh, the, vac- deposition, uh, the most expensive part of
1: your uh, yeah. of your production line yeah. is generating that clean it, yeah. and uh, vacuum environment. Yeah, let me see if I can have. <laughs> that actually
2: makes sense. You know, yeah, atmospheric depositions, except yeah. it's, lunar it's lunar atmosphere, right? Yeah. Yeah. Lunar <laughs> vacuum. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> <It's decorous>.
0: like, <laughs> I could just see someone waking up in the middle of the night with this idea in oh, the head actually, or I mean, something.
1: It or is, <laughs> it is uh, like all these ideas, you know. Yeah. Uh, we're sin- sitting at the wake of the wake shield.
0: Here, Professor Fornlich is referring to yet another experimental setup in space that he designed to test growing thin films of photovoltaic materials using the vacuum created in the wake of a space shuttle hence named The Wake Shield. And
1: uh, we're bullcrapping about what can we do, and, uh, <laughs> and that was always solar-driven yeah. kind of. And we're talking, and then suddenly you know, we're, we're sketching. Actually, it was a, a kind of a mock-up of that sketch. We mm-hmm. maybe even put it in some publication. With, uh, Red. you know Red Whitaker? No, I don't. Red was a guy from Carnegie Mellon who made the rover that uh, drove to the Mojave Desert okay. 500 miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, unmanned. So there was Red. There was uh, from MIT. There was John Sadoway. Okay. Don was doing actually the changing. I mean, he's a chemist of uh, of recovering from those. Um, and then uh, there was a couple of government people that were doing more like system stuff. And we had we were the ones who proposed them and actually. How to do it <laughs> because of the vacuum part that we knew, because it's oh, a vacuum okay. chamber essentially. the, the moment. So, how to do this? Well, okay. And essentially, what is it's the opposite of the fa- factory that we make mm-hmm. you know, you make a factory, you have a line, and mm-hmm. you're fitting into it. Mm-hmm. This was a rover that was running, and we did all the preliminary experiments, we had even solar cells made with the moon dust. Okay. So, the rover is running. It's, and it's uh, like yeah. Concentrated up solar stuff, yeah. comes into the fibers, okay. I and mean, it makes you huge energy. And essentially, you're melting, so you're creating your glass. Okay. Then, of course, it's much easier with thin films. You yeah. can go and. But I mean, with silicon, even it works because I mean, it's essentially, it's multicrystalline silicon. Mm. Uh, you're gonna get an efficiency that's gonna be at best, depending on the grain sizes you can get, about five six percent. But you don't care because essentially it becomes radiation-hard silicon. Because it's very thin. Whereas, I mean, if you go with uh, 27% silicon, in one year, in a moon radiation environment... Yeah, that's degradation totally is dead necessary. And yeah. it goes even worse, because it, since it's thick, because of making that absorber, now you're talking something that's 2 or 3 micron. It's crappy, but it gives you 5-6%. And as you're going, I mean, you're creating... The, essentially, you're creating this field of... Uh, and, uh, and the problem is that if you want to... Uh, uh, there was actually a whole rationale, mathematical rationale that was making sense. If you want to have any kind of uh, crew that leaves up there, you need a minimum of eight persons. Okay. You, know, you know that, uh, that yeah. formula? Yeah. So at least one has to be a doctor, one mm-hmm. has to be a biologist, so that you can create some kind of sustainable community. Right. Okay. So for eight, you need about a megawatt of power. Okay. And rather than try to send up that power
0: with them, One you megawatt, actually, uh,
1: okay. today to go to the moon, if we are going... Uh, if we are able to reproduce apple per, uh, the Apollo-type sending, it's going to be... Every kilogram is going to be about 200,000 okay. dollars. So you take yeah. one megawatt...
2: One right. megawatt of energy, no matter what type...
1: one megawatt of energy how many kilograms of panels you have to send and you're going to end up finding that you have to send several metric tons and several metric tons at $200,000 you're talking, I mean, sending up $100 billion of solar just for the shipping, $100 billion of solar cells even if you're the megawatt you're going to buy it for $1 million now, if you have something like that there not only, I mean, it can create that crap (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <the crab. laughs> yeah. Yeah. but also I mean uh, eventually I mean that crap kind of uh, builds up to uh, uh, to be essentially sustainable because now if In the crap goes yeah. bad you can continue to make more right yeah. and a rover is 300 kilograms yeah. so you're sending I mean actually it was 150 a yeah. rover. And 150 foot. So so that solar farmer goodness, on the moon. Yeah. Yeah. But
0: what's your energy source for the rover then? Also, photovoltaics? Oh, photovoltaics. Actually, so no. even to do the melting?
1: No, no the melting is uh, I oh concentrated so sunlight so or something? Yeah, it's sure. Been
2: so long. Well, the new ones are, are like nuclear powered. No, they?
1: actually, I mean, the best uh, The best solar uh, for uh, if you because you're is to generate heat. Okay. But
0: I mean, it's things like the uh, Professor Fornleesh quickly jumped up from his chair and sketched a semicircle mirror with a line representing a fiber optic cable with arrows showing how light bounces into the cable head. You take
1: a sim- simple thing here. I take a parabolic concentration. Okay. The parabola has a focal point,
0: right? Mm
1: hmm. Okay. Yeah.
0: And so if you place the material within that focal point, that you're trying no, to you, okay. Uh,
1: actually, what, what you do, you uh, you're taking this for, uh, this parabolic concentrator. here you put you put the mirror with a little lens, uh, which is actually integrated on top of a fiber optic. Okay, and now you push this guy through the lid. all the concentrated energy comes in it's at the b- back of the fiber. This was used actually by Israelis. Actually, right now it's used by Israelis as a cutting tool for medical interventions. Ah. And they're in the middle of the So desert, in the like field, that. yeah. Really? You can, t- uh, we had done it in the lab. Uh, we took one of those, and you cut a frozen chicken, and we're like, <laughs> 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 that's, not, that's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> so you take something like that, and essentially, I mean, we had the whole bundles of this. And uh, there was a the Pacific Northwest Lab was the ones that had demonstrated that we could get, they, they could melt silicon. Hmm. Which um, is actually higher temperature so in it's the like sand than just yeah. uh, the rock that we're going to melt to create the glass. As uh, silicon is 14, 14, 5, 14 15 yeah, 1500 Celsius. Yeah, yeah. yeah because I mean you have always uh, also, uh, it's not totally, ex- you're, you're heating at one point, you have to go at much higher temperature because there's heat dissipation. Right. So, so that was kind of the, uh, the portion that was getting the, the melting energy. Yeah, I will. I will try to see if yeah. I can find something. I will send you maybe the picture of the yeah. chicken, just, yeah, chicken sure. that's getting cut. Yeah, actually, I mean, Absolutely. I think I've seen uh, pictures like that. Just yeah, sure. uh, yeah. if you are having fun, this is no longer for ah, yeah, yeah, you know, concentrating. Uh, uh, put a um, uh, con um, concentrating fiber optic. Yeah, concentrating cutting a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> concentrating fiber optic uh, because I mean it's a typical experiment. I think the first one I saw it was. Uh, um, solar surgery. Yep, solar surgery. And this was the Israeli. Solar yeah, the researchers object. have
0: been testing the technology on chicken breasts. They cut two locations of the liver of each animal.
1: <laughs>
0: no. Okay, so here's the Nature paper. In Israel's sizzling. Yeah, yeah, that was, desert. Yeah, yeah, but
1: I mean, okay, um, th- that was a real project where you go go down to. But maybe sure. I'm. Mean, yep, here. Okay, you see burns a chicken liver. Okay,
0: so a beam of concentrated sunlight burns a chicken liver. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean it works. <laughs> I mean. In the lab, yeah. we're doing this stuff. I mean, it's yeah. just, it really works. I mean, it's fun. So they're using it to try on liver tumors.
1: Yeah, but I mean... Solar
0: surgery. Are. Okay. But uh, but, uh,
1: <laughs> but in fact, essentially, you have... A, it's like a laser beam coder. Yeah, sure. that. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have a yeah. cutter. Yeah. So... Right. Uh, sort of high flux. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, maybe actually they have some uh, oh. pictures as well. Okay. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, you see, I mean, this was actually the first paper that came out. Okay. And you see, the principle is quite simple. Essentially, yeah. you have a parabola, and you have this light coming in. Concentrate here, couple in so the fiber optic. And you can have pretty good couplings, you know, with... Uh, you, you can get a coupling that up to 80% or something like mm. that, of yeah. the light into the fiber. Okay. And then you have your little... Laser pen or, yeah. or the solar <laughs> operator, yeah. So
2: that, except for
1: melting <clears throat>
2: lunar dust, yeah. Actually, the uh,
1: you know, actually, the Oleo, the, solar, the concentrating solar power, okay. Right? Yeah. We have the CSP and mm-hmm. we have TV, sure. yeah. uh, uh, one of the biggest uh, centers was in, the, uh, in France, okay. Mm-hmm. It's called the Oleo, okay. And uh, uh, and the way it was working, they were using it as, as, the, as the same principle, you have all these mirrors. That they're sitting onto a parabola, mm-hmm. and the center of the parabola is just one receiver. They would melt tungsten. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. They'll put the a chunk of tungsten in that middle. They will literally melt tungsten. It's three thousand five hundred degrees. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: There's, I mean, there's one at Sandia. That's it's smaller scale, but it's they get insanely insanely high temperatures. Yeah.
1: So yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, now if you take the uh, the tip of a fiber optic. I mean, you get to the density, the power densities that are absolutely amazing. So locally, definitely, I mean, you're, you're melting the rocks or whatever. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's, the problem is that actually a, fi- a fiber optic, if it's, I mean, typical good fiber optic is uh, the amount of dis- uh, dissipation of poor, poor mm. dissipating energy mm-hmm. is very small, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's why you can make fiber optic communications. Of course, I mean, then you go on the minimum... Of the dissipation, sure. long like yeah, 35 really kilometers. Works, yeah. Yeah. But you know, on something like 10, 20, 30 centimeters, it's uh, the amount of. The only big problem is uh, the tip is extremely hot. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, yeah. <laughs> like right. But of course, I mean, not hot enough to melt the fiber optic, mm. damage any of this coating. Mm. But its tip is very, very hot. And now, of course, I mean, if, uh, if there's convection and things like that, mm-hmm. you have all these other things the whole system that's around the fiber optic that's going to start to collapse whatever is holding it in place Yeah, yeah probably the hardest
2: part of this to design would be like the tip that the surgeon holds or whatever you
1: know? Yeah, the, the very last piece. Yeah, the last piece, because yeah. that's where it's... Yeah, that's yeah, where, that's where the, the heat... ...at that surface. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, on, on the moon, I mean, the problem was yeah. very yeah. easy to solve, yeah. Yeah. Was, you know, because, I mean, of the vacuum...
0: So there's no convection, so the other components around it don't see that, that temperature. So what is the level of vacuum on the moon? When the
1: Apollo mission landed on the moon, uh, there was an estimation that the moon vacuum is almost 10 minus 12 to 10 minus 11 torr. You cannot reach it in your chambers. Only in some aluminum chambers, maybe. Mm -hmm. And when it it landed, instantly the vacuum went to about high minus 11 up to low minus 10.
0: And that pressure spike is just coming from the landing. But even with that, you're still at ultra-high
1: vacuum levels. Uh, It was just just the dust, maybe, that came in. The dust. The limit of the volatiles from from just the landing because it was a a rocket jet that was slowing you down. So how did the
0: rover actually deal with all the dust plumes itself that it was kicking up? You don't, it's a
1: slow crawler. Yeah, right. Because they they don't you have any up. way. I mean, you cannot move too fast. It's a slow crawler. I mean, uh, it's if you are going very slowly, and then there are designs. I mean, it, it was there was lots of design work. The first yeah. one was essentially on a piece of paper we drew it. Yeah. Uh, you you can see actually even that one. I mean, if th- that's not the color version of it, but yeah. Um, so here is are those big boxes that that you sell yeah, the parabolic mm. troughs for melting. Mm-hmm. Okay, there. and then there's a little bit of solar cell in front of it that kind of essentially gives you the power. Okay, and then you have a small tracker that allows you, I mean, all the time to have this parabolas to be uh, uh, to be at the optimal angle at the optimal angle. And then depending where you're deploying them, for example, if, uh, if you're on the poles, yeah. you have uh, almost 24-hour sunshine, uh, so you're you're working almost with a uh you know with a fixed angle or you are i mean, in the, in the equatorial region, yeah, and then the twelve twelve but it's uh it's almost normal incidence twelve twelve mm-hmm. yeah because you can see here I mean the operation of oh, the man. and yeah. the way that uh, I mean the whole thing is designed this is actually yeah, an yeah, yeah. outer and fiber oh, op- oh, I'm sorry oh, no. so i mean it's uh, essentially we have r- radiation shields mm-hmm. otherwise I mean this hit is gonna come and damage the yeah. whole thing uh here you're getting your fibers coming in and uh, spitting. Uh, spitting the energy, and you're starting to to melt the glass, and then essentially you have a linear melter. Okay. But uh, but it goes and it connects to all these things on the top here. So uh, essentially, it allows you. I mean, to change. I mean, your yeah uh, the shape. And then I'm not sure if we put here. I mean, do we have also the vacuum evaporators. I mean, uh, the, the this design actually uh, we had. Chris was on this. You know, remember Chris. Uh, have you heard about Chris Ronsky? Yeah, mm-hmm. the Ronsky stibler effect. Yeah, yeah. Okay,
0: mm-hmm. so the Ronsky stibler effect, referring to how certain solar materials degrade under light exposure.
1: Chris oh, yeah. actually was on uh, this one. We we're working together. Okay, because uh, Chris was a thin film silicon person. Right. Yeah. 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 And so I mean, we're trying actually to get because y- you don't have the same metals. You know, like it's. We have to make now a contact with tinta- t- tantalum, right? Mm. Uh, the tantalum, uh, titanium titanium. Okay. versus, you know, I mean, the contact that is done with cell orders. Okay. So, I mean, and you can see, I mean, how it was connecting. Essentially, as it was going, it's all uh, mask evaporations. Okay. And you're creating, I mean, your path. <laughs> so, how's the
0: dollar per watt breakdown
1: of silicon production on the moon?
0: I mean, for, for space, I mean, yeah. it's very
1: cheap, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually, we got even a. Uh, a grant at some point. When we started, actually, which was back, I think, the first grant, NASA Innovative Advanced Concepts. Okay. Yeah. So that's where, for example, the space elevator came from. Okay. Mm. So, like, crazy uh, space yeah. ideas. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. this was one of the projects, actually. Okay. Uh, we were selected the same year than the space elevator. Okay. okay. Cool. So it was 96, maybe 97. Okay. I
0: remember seeing, uh, I think, Popular Mechanics articles about that. With these crazy graphics, yeah, showing it. No, the, yeah. the so ours was k- and, kind of the same yeah. kind
1: of projects. Okay.
0: Okay. okay,
2: but NASA actually had a uh, a program specifically for funding. Yeah, oh, they still
0: do ideas. actually.
1: Okay, still do. They have uh, you know the most craziest idea. Well, that's good, and, and it's kind <laughs> of fun yeah, you, you go to the, you go there <laughs> to those meetings. Yeah. It's actually, I mean, uh, real fun because things that are totally, I mean, I would say out of the box. Yeah. Know? Especially, or, I mean, when yeah. you're not, it's not in your field, it's even more out of the box. Yeah, yeah right. literally shooting for the moon. I uh, guess. <laughs> there's, the, there's the pun. Then I remember, I mean, but I mean, then I, it was when we went for the real big one, mm-hmm. we were purple. You, you know the ratings of the very large proposals in, the, in NASA? Uh, or in government. Uh, okay, and so a typical. The highest brand. rate rating is purple. Purple. Okay, okay. and we're, the purple ribbon. Oh, okay. For getting funded, except I mean, uh, the war with Iraq started. <laughs> Money went to the did The care and yeah. shit about making solar, solar, and not, the not lunar solar energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and NASA got caught on everything. Otherwise, we were going. I mean, it was actually a yeah, very. Good. You were going. I mean, it was actually a seriously large project. Currently, there there's a huge interest. Again, from people like you know, whatever Elon Musk and people, you know, okay, sure, yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, now maybe it's Mars dust, right? Rather than moon, Moon yeah, (laughs) Mars is much harder. Did you get any like any pushback from like
1: from everyone?
0: (laughs) <laughs> um,
2: well, yeah, yeah I guess
1: <laughs> you're, you're proposing just
0: to change i mean uh silver to copper referring to joe's own research work as you might
1: remember from our first podcast episode yeah and you have a uh, half a dozen people immediately they will jump over you and you're telling yeah. them something like that it's like what the crap <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: i'm thinking now about like i don't know what you'd call them but like moon almost like environmentalists but for the moon like, where people like, you can't change the surface of the moon. It needs to be pristine.
1: Actually, you know what? Uh, the funny thing is was that uh, I put in the article that, of course, I mean, since the Slayers, because there was... there, there essentially TCOs we were using.
0: Referring to transparent conducting oxides, which was also discussed in our first episode, Uh, these layers are in part used as anti-reflective coatings in solar cells.
1: Mm -hmm. And the TCO is going to make an anti-reflect. That was the whole goal as well. But of course, I mean, then we were going, the the surface of the moon may not look as shiny. (laughs) I remember ever writing that. (laughs) The surface (laughs) of the moon, of course, should that happen, Maybe the surface of the moon would not like, look that shiny anymore. So please, <laughs> with anti-reflection right.
0: You could probably get hobbyist astronomers to advocate for that so they could see the stars a lot better. They would it love is,
1: it. Yeah. it. They would love it. Because it's if you're a hobbyist bright. astronomer, you want to be able to see the, see the, the sky stars. around. Yeah, it's right. And the okay. okay. moon is a huge Yeah. So this
0: could be part of the dark <laughs> dark sky <laughs> okay. project. Darkening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's
1: incredible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, with your TCOs, we could do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's make a project. Okay. Yeah, sure. And we sell it to national. Yeah. Az, uh, right. The National Astronomy uh, Initiatives as partners. Yeah. Yeah. The national Dark Sky Alliance. Right.
0: So, were there any other crazy plans at the time that wanted to integrate with yours? Uh, because I mean, then there was this uh, other guy that
1: came in, and his idea was there for for a long time. But his idea was, let's bring the solar cell there. And make a power station on the moon, and, beam and then beam it back to Earth. Yeah, yeah, right, right. It was actually a colleague from the school, from our school. Yeah. There, David Crosswell. Huh. But then, uh, and then of course he picked up on that. Yeah. Because he saw I mean I was coming out with this uh, rover that's going to build the stuff right there. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're talking about the larger version. That's where you're starting to see gigawatts, which for the time, the entire accumulated. Uh, capacity in uh, ninety four ninety five yeah, is tiny. twenty yeah. is t- or ten or twenty megawatts. Yeah, right. Totally. Yeah. Total. And now so you're talking somebody who's going to do five gigawatts in space. Yeah. yeah. I Don't mean, think. it kind
2: of speaks to the idea of what people people talk about, like like ubiquitous PV PV everywhere. No. You know. Mm-hmm. So cheap you spray it down. You know, yeah. or so cheap that a little robot just inches along and. Leaves it behind as it goes. This is the first I've ever heard of it, and it's incredible to me.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it was here that Professor Forenleish forgot that we were supposed to be interviewing him, and he started asking us questions about our work. After talking about sputtering of my TCOs, he got a big grin on his face as he remembered a funny story from when he was doing his PhD.
1: Sputtering actually reminds me of a cool story. It was uh, when I finished my, uh, uh, I didn't want to go for a PhD. I was a <laughs> stupid kid that uh, had an argument with my parents, and <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm not gonna take. That's it. how you got started in grad school. Yeah. <laughs> I said I'm not gonna take it. So I realized, okay, I needed a, to finish my engineering degree or whatever it was, physics more. Yeah. But uh, to get my uh, once I got my master, my goal was I'm gonna make money. Now, in this yeah. many years, I would go every morning in the market and putting boxes up, you know, doing all the blue-collar works, and I'm going to go make money. So I started working for some uh, uh, electro-resistance company, or was the name of it? I mean, it's part of Viché now. So I started working for this guy. And then one of the things I was doing, it was some uh, tantalum nitride deposition. And for that, they had the sputtering system. And this was one of the... And this was already called the D of the R&D, because at the time, this is 30 years ago, we are working with... 11 4-inch wafers, so, you know, it's the it's already <laughs> I mean, the of an R&D, I mean. and occasionally I will clean the, the chamber, we'll clean all the chambers, and mm-hmm. try to get whatever metals, I mean, they're, they're recycling everything, just because of the pesetas. Yeah. So, we'll take everything, so I'm cleaning my chamber, my chamber is clean, beautiful, and then I'm going and I'm going to put it in the vacuum. I'm pushing the button, and for a split of a second, I see. Zzz, zzz, it was a fly. A fly. Sorry, that okay. came in exactly when I was going to close the chamber. Oh no! Got yeah. it, and it was really a split of a second because yeah. I mean, I, by the time I'm realizing it's there, yeah. it, it has splattered. It exploded it, everywhere. It exploded. Oh no! It, like, <laughs> it took us. I mean, uh, everybody was pissed at me. killed that in the chamber. But uh, it took literally. I mean, almost a month and a half or two of cleaning oh, man. to starting to not have... Uh, Organic residue. contamination. Organic <laughs> <content>. <laughs> <laughs> because actually, I mean, it was, uh, it was already the D mm-hmm. of the R&D, so you're yeah. doing things where you're starting, I mean, to, right. to, uh, to not only reliability, yeah. you know, people yeah. were testing, the fatigue, and yeah. you know, resi- it was a resistance-making company. Yeah. So it's typically, it has to operate minus... Uh, 125 degrees C to minus 50 C. Mm-hmm. So they do all this cycling or whatever. And of course, it's a crap because now you have pinholes because of that organic stuff. <laughs> yeah, because there's all sorts yeah, of that was, that was kind of a uh, cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> really it, right? yeah. The fly that, yeah. we, that came into our chamber. Yeah. A literal fly, fly. And it's right. horrible. Yeah. It's like, you know, you, you saw it. It sounded saw almost like a slow motion. I yeah.
0: Not Nothing. in there. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he disappeared.
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even see actually the the spray of it. I, I just assumed because was sprayed like, everywhere. Exactly right,
2: it just vaporized.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's go, uh, guys. Have a coffee. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah let's, uh, let's go get a coffee. coffee. rejoin the crowd <laughs> downstairs.
2: And thanks a lot for. Yeah. Thank you very much for entertaining us for the last. <laughs>
1: it's always it's always yeah. great chatting with you. It's all yeah. left with a. Uh, you know, all people they can only tell you funny stories <laughs> like that. that's it <laughs> yeah thanks
0: for listening everyone we had a great time with professor Freundlich and I hope you enjoyed that conversation as well if I was to post the entire recording it would have been over two and a half hours long so hopefully cutting this down to about half an hour was alright feel free to reach out to me at stemwars at gmail.com that's s-t-e-m-o-i-r-s at gmail.com with questions suggestions or if you have a recommendation for a guest that we should have on the show, be sure to check out the research work of Quest by visiting quest.org. And again, thank you to Quest, the National Science Foundation, and the Department of Energy for enabling not just this podcast, but also the research work done by the students of Quest. Hope you can join next time.